Thanks for joining us today for the Military Family Research Institute podcast. I'm your host, Sadie Erkwitz. Today we welcome veteran Jamie Richards, who currently serves as the director of the Purdue University Veteran Success Center. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Can you talk about your military experience? I did 20 years total. I did six years active duty on submarines, and I, I graduated high school today. I turned 18 today. I had my head shaved for boot camp, so it was hey, you know, that's my birthday present. <laughs> um, and I did six years on submarines and was really proud of that experience, but I got out in 1992. There was, you know, cutbacks in the force, and I just was kind of done for a while. Uh, so I kicked around. I did uh, various desktop publishing jobs, and I lived down in Atlanta, Georgia, and had moved back um, kind of here as well. And found myself working in an automotive plant, decided to go to school. And I um, joined the Navy Seabees Construction Battalion. And I had a couple deployments out of the Navy Seabees. And then, um, you know, officially retired in 2014. So on the reserve side, you don't get your retirement pay until you hit 60. So I, that's the only thing that I look forward to turning 64 is to get that. It has nothing to do with anything else on there. Can you also describe your transition to civilian life? This is an area MFRI focuses on heavily, and we'd love have your perspective for our listeners. When I transitioned off active duty, I really kind of was probably a little bit missionless. And so I worked for my family company for a while um, and then ended up taking a job down in Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, and doing desktop publishing. And then really, uh, I came back to Indiana after a few years of that and uh, started working in an automotive plant and um, found that that's not where I imagined myself at 30. That I was like, what did, you know, this just went by and this isn't where I, you know, thought I would be. And that's when I decided to program an education into into my life and uh, started undergrad. And that's when I also affiliated with the reserves. And I thought, well, I, need to, I want to do something else, you know, to kind of provide a little bit of extra income. And, you know, what's something that I could do? And I realized I wasn't yet done with the military. I thought, I, you know, when I was a kid, I was going to spend 20 or 30 years in the military. And that's what I, you know, always dreamed of. Uh, so it took me a while to kind of come back to, well, what's my personal mission? And what does that mean? And so that's what got me into college, and that's what also got me into um, joining the reserves as well. Uh, and then with my two deployments, you know, both times that I came home, so I was fortunate that in the reserves you have the opportunity to still kind of develop a civilian career at the same time, or you know, or work through an education at the same time that you're still serving. Um, but both times that I came back from deployment, um, I was really reflecting on what that means to be me, what that means to be connected with a mission or or a team. And how is that the right thing I need to be doing in my, my real life as well? And so those were very reflective decision points for me. I was, I was consciously aware that those were decision points about what I want to do. And so I really did guide that through that process. I think working in higher ed helped because I see students making decisions all the time. And so I was conscious that that was a decision point for me as well. What about your family's role during this part of your life? Yeah, so I wasn't, I wasn't married when I was active duty. You know, I certainly had my parents and uh, my aunts and uncles and you know, uh, sisters back home and friends and stuff that you know kept in contact with me, which was really helpful. You know, when when you're uh, busy doing things active duty. Sure. Uh, in the reserves, both in my deployments, you know, I, I, like I said, I've been deployed twice. Um, you know, I've also been divorced t- twice, once after each deployment. So those were, um, you know, I'm not going to say that that was the reason why relationships didn't work, but they certainly were part of that those process of that relationships. Um, so the family, keeping and maintaining a family life um, as a service member is really difficult. Um, it's really tough to do. It's, um, I think, probably harder in the Reserve or National Guard because oftentimes you're not near a built-in support unit like you are active duty on base. 
or around other people that are also there, you know, 600 people from an area deployed, and so now you have 600 families back home that run into each other and can support each other at, at different levels. You know, when an entire state, a reserve or guard unit deploys, I mean, it can be from all over the state, and some people can be from small towns or from all over the place. Family support during deployment really requires patience, um, mm-hmm. a, a lot of trust, love, and, and really good communications uh, are what can make the difference for long Thank you for being honest about that because a lot of service members go through this and mm-hmm. a lot of families, you know, they have to find resiliency. Veterans are often remembered across this nation on Veterans Day, and I'm glad that our country takes time to focus on this deserving population. At MFRI, though, we strive to serve military and veteran families every day, and I'm sure that there are others out there who want to do the same, but just don't know how. Can you give us some examples of ways people can support veterans on a regular basis? I, I hear oftentimes, thanks for your service, and I realize that, and I say it as well, I mean, I, I'm, I, I say that also, and I realize that's really the sentiment or the words mean what you're saying, um, but what do you do with that when it's, it's given to you? Thank you for your service. Um, you know, I usually, I tend to respond with, um, it was an honor to serve, and, you know, I had a lot of really great experiences. And so that's kind of where my response comes from. But I don't know if everybody has figured out the best way you know, to answer a question like that. I think for me is to ask, you know, what did you do? What branch did you serve? What did you do? I think that that's more of understanding a little bit um, as well. And I think a handshake can be, you know, helpful across that because it's not just a thank you for your service it's also a very human connection um, that you're making with someone and showing them you know some some emotion beyond just a thank you uh, I think so I think that's kind of an, an important way to approach that I also think that um, it's helpful for uh, you to build a relationship if you can especially if it's a you know someone that you know it's helpful to build that relationship with them and, and develop some trust with them do you find that it uh, differs between the generations of veterans, depending on what major war they might have been part of, or if they um, were deployed but didn't see active duty? To answer your first question, I mean, there's probably books that are written on, you know, the differences of experiences that people had coming home from different wars. You know, people coming home from World War One or World War Two or Korea or Vietnam. I mean, those are all very different experiences that they had when they came home. So, um, you know, what, what did that thank you look like for them? Uh, very greatly as well. And into the, the second part of your question, I think that, yes, those, especially those who serve in the military, um, especially during a time of where, where there's a lot of combat activity, if they don't serve in combat, they feel very, or, or serve in a combat role or mission, maybe not directly in combat, but serve in a combat zone, they feel as if they were left out of something. And oftentimes, they'll use that, if someone says, hey, thank you for your service, and they're like, well, you know, I never... I never went to Iraq. I never went to Afghanistan. They feel guilty about that. And the reality is, they just did what the government told them. You know, it wasn't necessarily that they were trying to to get out of anything. It's just that this is where this is where their military pipeline took them. Uh, one of our students here, he served in the Marine Corps, and he was a helicopter mechanic. And I, almost every time I was around him when he introduced himself, people were like, "Oh, what you do in the Marines?" And he's like, "Well, I never deployed." And he felt like he had to tell that as a qualifier. I, I would always pull him aside and say, "You know, you." You served in the Marines. You went where they asked you to go. This wasn't. There's nothing about this was necessarily your choice. So just be cool with it. You know, don't people don't care what you did. They just they look up to you for for having served. You know, they value that experience um, as well. Jamie, thank you for being with us today. 
For additional information or, or ways to support military and veteran families, please visit mfri.purdue.edu or purdue.edu backslash veterans.